When your child is struggling, as a parent, you need support. Welcome to Beyond Risk and Back. I'm at the 46th Annual Psychotherapy Associates Winter Symposium. This is in Colorado Springs, and once again, I get my hands on the experts. The men and women who are speaking at this conference, the, the, the other people having booths here, this is where all the experts in the industry of mental health and addiction and recovery gather to share the information they have, and I wanna get it into your hands. So thank you for joining me on this week's episode of Beyond Risk and Back. There is a kind of a, uh, uh, it's a sensitive topic in, in recovery and addiction and mental health. And this is the concept of harm reduction. And parents and clinicians and treatment centers get nervous about this idea uh, because abstinence is a primary model in recovery. I myself, uh, uh, Personally, uh, I thrived on abstinence and that level of, of discipline for myself, which I didn't have for 14 years. And it doesn't work for everybody. Cold turkey doesn't work for everybody. Abstinence doesn't work for everybody. And the one of the main things behind harm reduction is, let's just try to back off of, of racing towards the bottom and death. What I have here, the executive director of Crossroads Turning Point, Rob Atchuleta here, he's got a ton of initials after his name. I'm going to let him go through them. It's one of the alphabet uh, uh, boys right after his name. But Rob, um, talk about, we're going to, we'll get into harm reduction, but first talk about yourself. Uh, you mentioned stuff that your wife is doing. I'd like to get her on the show as well. Um, but let's talk about what you're doing at Crossroads, what your wife is doing and how you ended up in the industry. Yeah. So give us Rob. Okay, yeah. So my name is Rob Archuleta. I ended up in the industry because I have lived experience in this. We'll just say that. I kind of joke around that I was an anthropologist that was doing ethnography work and lived with indigenous drug addicts for 11 or 12 years. So I have the street experience and now I have the That's education. A way to say yeah, you're an yeah right. So you got to be careful That's, with how you good. say those things. So, um, so, you know, in my own walking that path to recovery, like, uh, I just started thinking outside the box. Me and my right. wife founded a program called Addict to Athlete that works with offenders based on criminogenic needs, helps people get sober by using athletics. I've stepped away from that program because I'm a clinical director at Crossroads and there's too much crossover for me to be involved in both. Sure. So I stay out of that place. Um, but, you know, I just want to say this, talking about harm reduction. Let's do. I'm a hardcore guy. I'm a straight-edge guy. You know, when I went back to my roots, I went back to straight-edge. I'm like, no caffeine, no nothing, blah, blah, blah. I mean, since then, I've given in to pre-workout. But <laughs> I, uh, I'm anti-everything. I'm hardcore. I'm black and white okay. I, in my personal path. And I think a lot of us that grew up in the 12-step organizations yeah. are hardcore like that. It's true. But having said that, part of the goal of most harm reduction, and it's even in the definition, the clinical or the, the harm reduction coalition's definition, is the goal is always abstinence. What we're doing with harm reduction is reducing harm. And so, having so my education background, I'll just tell you about myself. I'm a five times five time Ironman triathlete. Uh, I'm an ultra marathon runner, ultra Spartan competitor. Um, done numerous marathons and CrossFit competitions. I just did my first Tough Mudder. So there it's you go. such yeah. a blast. Yeah. So that I think that's another thing is recovery has to be fun, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So since then, I've got a, a master's degree in criminology, and now I'm working on my PhD in advanced studies in human behavior that covers everything from criminal behavior to eating disorders. Okay. So that's me. 
Okay, so now let's dive into this because that's kind of scary for a parent to hear. They've got a daughter who's cutting uh, and like carving themselves up. Mm. And the idea to say, just do it less. All right, let's justify this first scientifically. How is harm reduction an effective means of recovery if we're still hurting or using? So let me let me just address this right off the bat, Perfect. right? Like, um, and I'm gonna not be as hardcore as I would be with other clinicians, <laughs> right? But especially because when you're in a parent, when you're a parent and you're in panic mode, you don't think clearly. Right. One of the first things I do when I talk to parents is, right. "What are you doing for yourself?" You know, self care. I mean? Yeah, self care because first. you can't. You know, just like at the air, they say on the airplane, the oxygen falls. Put your mask on first. Right. And so, first, I want to address this. We have been practicing harm reduction as a society since the beginning of time. Explain and that. So I will explain that. So. As a hardcore guy that's into fitness and everything, right? I am against everything that is bad for you now. Like I said, I'm black and white. But we have been using diet Pepsi and diet Coke, which is a form of harm reduction. Like the truth is, just stop drinking it. Pepsi's poison, Coke's poison. So what do you think? The diet Coke's poison, the diet (laughs) Pepsi's poison? It's poison. Just stop doing it. I always go back to food because we understand food. There's a book called Eat This, Not That that came out I was just about to say, like like we still see the longest line at the airport is the line at McDonald's. Not security. It's a line at McDonald's. And they sell salads. Is that harm reduction? That is harm reduction. You know what I mean? Like, that's harm reduction. Wendy's having this Whopper. That's harm reduction. You know, the the no meat Whopper. Oh, yeah, yeah, the Impossible Burger. The Impossible impossible Whopper. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we've been doing harm reduction since the beginning of time. Now, here's the one thing that I believe we have to do as clinicians, as a society, is we have to hear what the client or what the child is saying. And sometimes they come in and just say, I'm not going to do this. And then we spend an hour in a session trying to convince them to do it. Right. So what we do when we do that is we shut that door. They're, the door gets shut. They shut it. They go, I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. And so when we take a harm reduction approach of truly meeting the client where they are and finding out what are you willing to work on, then it leaves that door open. And that's always the path to abstinence. Once that door shut, the path is closed. So this is, we're, we're just stepping towards abstinence. Yeah. Maybe not abstinence. Maybe we're stepping towards marijuana use over cocaine use, or maybe we're stepping towards taking an edible instead of methamphetamine. Do you, is this just the choosing of lesser evils and we're still practicing evil? And I, yeah, I, yeah, look, look yeah, yeah. I've been in the industry a long yeah. time. I understand, but I got my parents' voice in their head, yeah. and we got to answer these parents. Is this just lesser of two evils? So it's not choosing the lesser of two evils. You're choosing... You're choosing to pick your battles, right? The client, the child, they're gonna tell you what they want. And there's nothing you could say to change it or they wouldn't have done it in the first place. If your parenting was so amazing and your love was so amazing, how did they get here? How did they get here? So and they no already, one shows this. I, did, I wasn't yeah, yeah. a kid saying one day I'm gonna grow up yeah. and uh, you know trade custody of my daughter for yeah. drugs. Like I just not, I didn't choose that. Yeah, so we, you know what? We close that door. And, right. we, and what we do also is we ignore their feelings in this. Of course we know what's best. I know what's best for society. Stop drinking Diet Pepsi. Of course parents know what's best. Stop smoking pot. Stop doing that. It's not that easy. And we got to hear their voice. They're saying, I'm willing to do this. I'm willing to do that. And I'm not willing to do this. I'm not willing to do that. So say, I always have parents come in and go, she needs to break up with her boyfriend. I'll get them in a session. They'll go, the one thing I'm not going to do is break, break up, up their boyfriend. So we don't have that conversation because she just said, I'm not going to do it. So then we talk about, well, what can you work on? You know, Rob, this, this reminds me of how 
uh, you know, covert persuasion works. So bear right. with me for a second. If I start to get you to say yes to things, you mm -hmm. know, like you and I are agreeing, I'm nodding my head, you're mirroring me, you're nodding your head yeah. right now. Now we've begun a pra practice of mirroring. Mm -hmm. And it seems that if I find out what my client is willing to do and work mm -hmm. on that, then the two of us are just practicing working together on quitting things. Yeah. And that in and of itself is the practice of recovery, is right. that we just start removing things that are causing us harm. That's exactly it. We're reducing harm. It, th this kind of conversation that we're having goes back to when parents are like, if I buy my kid a condom, they're going to have sex. Um, still, they're going to have sex anyway, I promise. Do you know what I mean? So we're <laughs> yes. reducing the harm. We're reducing the harm of, you know, we're reducing diseases. We're do reducing unwanted pregnancy. It seems like we've done this before. This is a vicious cycle. Now it's come to this, you know? So now the, the thing that people really have a hard time with is like the needle exchanges. Yes, the handing very out much of Narcan. So. And I understand that, but there's a big difference. And this is what I'm going to talk about tonight. There is a gigantic difference between enabling and acceptance. Acceptance is saying, you have an issue. I'm going to help you through it because dead people don't get sober. I'm going to prolong your life. That's acceptance. Enabling is like when you go buy them the drug. We're not doing that. They already have it. Now, that's interesting because, you know, that that certainly is because we, what we hear from parents are saying, well, I got it for them because at least I know where it's come yeah. from. I let them smoke it in the house because at least I know where they are. Yeah. Is, that, is that harm reduction? That is harm reduction, but let me just tell you, that's a little over the line, right? Uh, gotcha. so, so that sends a dual message. I get that. That's, that's where harm reduction gets a bad name is when people don't have have a when they don't have any boundaries if you're a parent you have your set boundaries so what I would do is I would get off like I personally this is my opinion right but personally like saying to your kid you already have it they're using it anyway I'm not gonna give you a hard time about it when you come in the house is different because you have your rules and your standards and you're standing by that but telling but okaying them to use in the house or going to get drugs for them that already goes against your core values that's the opposite of harm reduction. You're sending a dual message that way. So let's 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 continue that conversation yeah. because I know my parents are going to want to hear that. Video games. My kids playing. Uh, we're we're looking at six to 12 hours now. We're missing school, we're missing yeah. assignments. They're playing a very addictive game. I I've done my research as a parent. I know which part is addictive. Do I keep providing the internet? I mean, they need it for school, but yeah. yet they're not sleeping, which means they're not eating, which means their health is crashing. Where's my harm reduction with video games? So here's the here's the difference with video games, right? So video games aren't, they don't, they're not putting up the 911 siren. Nobody's gonna die immediately from that. We're not quite life and yeah. limb, however, we're watching the dominoes fall, right. the sleep. You know, look, the number one, the number one cause of relapse is missing a meal. So yeah. now I've already got, and the moment the video game's gone, he's thrown a fit, he's punched a hole in the wall. Yeah. So I know I've got withdrawal symptoms. Yeah. So, so I would, yeah, nobody's ever asked me that, but I would guess like dealing with video games, it has to be set times and, and to start creating that structure around it, right? We know that people in addiction flourish when they when have structure. One thing that we don't do when we're in addiction is we don't have a structure. I can't tell you how many times I've been in a house on a Monday and there's a bunch of people at 10 o'clock Monday, there's a bunch of adults with nothing to do. Uh, idle hands, right? baby. Idle hands. So when, <laughs> once you provide that structure, so I would assume, listen, you can't take the internet away. You can't take the video games with them. They have to have a phone for safety reasons for school. They're going to play. What I would do is I would start trying to teach structure and boundaries. But I, I, I am against this, this uh 
Bill Maher calls it this hey buddy approach to harm reduction where you're like, hey buddy, are you okay? Hey buddy, I'm gonna let you get high in the house. Hey buddy, how do you feel about, we wanna hear their voice, but they still need guidance. Yeah. And so I think when you like open those floodgates, it's different to say you're doing it, you could come in the house, you're high, I'm gonna take care of you, you're loved, versus go ahead and get high in the house. Those are two totally different signals. Okay, so now let's, let's go into the self-harm cutting thing because you know, one burn mark, because their anxiety is over the top or their depression is down. You and I know they're burning. Their dopamine is flooding the system. So they're addicted to the, the brain change that's going on. When we do harm reduction, how do we counter that by helping them get the, the right amount of dopamine and serotonin uh, going on and oxytocin going on in their system that essentially allows the cravings to subside a little bit? Yeah, so that's a tough one because I, I honestly don't deal with cutting all the time, but I would assume it's this. Number one, the harm reduction approach is always keep the door open. If you're always slamming them and you're always staying on top of them, right. they're gonna start hiding it. Now they're cutting in a place where you can't right, see. Right. So I would assume like, I don't know if you've ever heard of, it, of this, but I would think that we, when I've worked with women and men who are traumatized from sexual experience, they yeah. have these things called chaos books. Yeah. And it's a journal. You could burn it, you could write in it. One of the pages says stab. One of the pages has a mirror in it. It says shatter the mirror. To me, that would seem like a great harm reduction approach or some people that are addicted to the needle start shooting up ice water to get, you know, instead of the dope. So I would assume maybe that it would work the same way, like I said, but one thing that you don't want to do is make them feel so bad that they start to hide it because then you don't even have an opportunity to have that conversation. The door's been shut. And as parents and as people who we'll love people who are who, who self-sabotage and who self-destruct, we're willing to just go, oh my God, they stopped because we're not seeing it. We're just happy to accept that when you know that it probably didn't. Right. Okay, so uh, uh, drinking. I got a kid that's drinking. What does harm reduction with drinking look like? So harm reduction with drinking, that again, like if they're drinking all the time and they're just doing what they want, that might be like the, the same thing. Like for sure you got to take the car keys away. There's no car anymore. If, there's, if, if your child is drinking and you're going to get on this harm reduction approach where you keep that door open and you're trying to minimize damage, remember that's what harm reduction is. We're minimizing damage, keeping the door open to get to eventually to abstinence, right? So, so, so that's our goal. just to clarify, like life and limb, you're, if, if I got a life and limb situation, yeah. you're not going to necessarily tell a parent we, we need to do a harm reduction model. No, not, not necessarily, but you also have to look at has, has, anything, has, has anything punitive ever been successful in our society? We know locking, we, you can't lock somebody up. Locking up does not change desire. Right. Like I always tell people this, like I'm into fitness and health. I desire chocolate cake and peanut butter. You don't <laughs> change someone's desire and desire is not, I think recovery is not the absence of the desire for something we crave. It's actually just the desire for something greater. Right. And we don't get to that anything greater unless we leave that door open. So with drinking, for sure, you take the car keys away. There's no more car involved in the kid's life. And for sure, you might come down on them and you might still ground them. But you're always loving and keep that door open. And you never pound them to the point where it's like jail, like where you're just punishing them for the sake of punishment because they'll reject that. You've used the term keep the door open a few times. Can yeah. you describe the like give examples of keeping the door open? Because you're talking about yeah. a few different things yeah. there. So I think one way we close the door, you know, as therapists, like say, say a woman comes in and she's like, I'm not breaking up with my boyfriend. Perfect. She says that right off the bat. 
you have an hour session about not breaking up with the boyfriend, they don't come back. Right. Right? This is a meth addict, and you just went on the boyfriend conversation for an hour. Now she didn't even address the meth or talk about things she's willing to work on. The door just got shut, and she's never coming back. Right. With parents, you're telling them, are you stupid? I know you know better. Blah, 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 blah. There's no understanding of their side. Kids are doing it. They're having fun. They're hooking up. They're, they're listening to music. Everybody knows music sounds great when you're intoxicated. It sounds good when you're sober, but it sounds different when you're high. That's true. So, you know, you're not taking in, like, how they got there. And you have to look at how they got there to understand how to get them out of there. Do you know what I mean? We can't just go, it's bad. I like to say this, and I say this in, to everybody I talk to, and it's crazy how much people have a hard time with this. But nobody gets addicted to anything that sucks. Like, you don't get addicted to stuff that sucks. It's just crazy. Drugs and alcohol, they're fun. Like, pornography, everybody knows all the things that are toxic compulsive behaviors. Gambling, sex, pornography, food. It's all great. We love it. That's how we get addicted to it. So you have to take into consideration it doesn't suck. So when you're telling them that it sucks, they're like, no, it doesn't. Have you ever been to a rave, mom? Have you ever done Molly with a bunch of girls? You know what I mean? Or guys or whatever you're into. And, and you can't explain that to them because you're telling them they suck and they're like, not really. And, and especially just when you look at it from a scientific standpoint, how can it suck when your serotonin and dopamine levels are sky high, like on methamphetamine? Somebody's telling you they suck, you're like, yeah, well, if this sucks, I like suck. You know what I mean? So, and I, I don't want to sound like I'm doing a commercial for drugs, but there's a, primal, there's a primal part of us that just loves pleasure. And if there's never a consequence, unfortunately, we tend to not learn. So I always say it's better to, instead of trying to use a deterrent, try to use something else that's greater than that. We'll get back to our guest in just a second. I got to make a quick shout out to two organizations that have really helped out Fire Mountain and Beyond Risk and Back at our booth here at the Winter Symposium. First is Guayaki Yerba Mate. They have given us cases and cases of this amazing incredible drink to hand out to other people to get people in the industry of mental health and addiction to understand the benefits of guayaki yerba mate and brain recovery brain building i could i could spend an entire episode which i did by the way with one of the co-founders david carr so go listen to that beyond risk and back episode and you can always Google benefits, scientific benefits, scientific research behind Yerba Mate, and you will understand why we give this drink out to people in the industry. This is a hidden gem that is getting more and more popular. So please support us being supported by Guayaki Yerba Mate and go pick yourself up a can and get some for your teens. And then second, I need to thank Psychotherapy Associates Winter Symposium people themselves for letting us be here and broadcasting this show and helping us email all of the speakers to get the information, the, 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 the new cutting edge research in brain development, addiction recovery, mental health. And I get to interview these incredible people and get their information into your heads, parents. So thank you to Winter Symposium and thank you to Guayaki. Okay, let's get back to our guest. All right, Rob, let's, uh, let's come back around to... Uh, let's do a quick review of what we're talking about, harm reduction. Let's give a, like a synopsis in your mind of what, what are we talking about when we talk about reducing harm? So when we talk about reducing harm, 
What we're talking about is just how do we reduce the damage that a compulsive, a toxic compulsive behavior is going to cause, whether that's addiction, whether that's shopping, whether that's gambling, pornography, whatever it is, how do we reduce the harm or how do we reduce the impact of that behavior? And so, you know, like with eating, it's diet soda, right? Or it's bubbly water instead of soda. Um, with heroin, it's methadone, you know, or we're giving clean needles. You know, with uh, drinking, maybe it's O'Doul's, you know, or maybe it's like a little less alcohol or, or just Friday, Saturdays. But what we're not doing is we're not having an expectation that is set by people who don't understand where the client or where the person struggling with the behavior has been. Does harm reduction work? It, this is, I get that question a lot. This is where harm reduction works, is it saves lives. It saves lives, 100% it saves lives. Narcan saves lives, clean needle saves lives, um, not driving while you're drinking saves lives, smoking pot over meth saves lives. Anytime that we engage in a behavior that's less, then it saves lives. And, and like I said, people that are dead or incarcerated, they don't get a chance to return, they don't get a chance to recover. Not the same way, right? If they're incarcerated, there's a lot of damage done. Now their recovery path is different. If we could get somebody to smoke pot rather than do meth, then, you know, like, or that's their choice, right? Right, right, right. But the same thing, like, um, you know, you give a Narcan to somebody, they have a chance. They just they just woke up. Now they have a chance at recovery. They got a chance. Okay, and then talk one more time about what you mean by leaving the door open, because in all your examples, yeah. leave that door open, leave that door open. Yeah. So one way we leave the door open for sure is by for sure prolonging life. I mean, like keep them alive to keep that door open to have the conversation. And the other one is never make anybody feel so bad that that door is shut. Never make anybody feel ashamed to the point that that door is shut. I mean, we, we kind of have this dual signal and this dual message, right, about about we're saying addiction's a disease, but we're still treating addiction like a moral shortcoming. Right, right. So pick one. Pick one. Either it's a disease or this is a moral, immoral thing. And if we're treating it like a disease, then we 100% know that, that diseases need to be treated uh, just like any medical issue, right? So addiction is a disease. Let's treat it like a medical disease. Let's give insulin for somebody who has diabetes, right? That's harm reduction because they're not right away. They're not they're not turning their life away at that moment, right? right? So harm reduction is just, it's just the simple act of reducing harm or reducing the impact of a negative behavior. If I got a parent who wants to get in touch with you or follow up with you or, yeah. or, or just follow you and, and yeah. maybe just get more of you, yeah. Uh, books, websites, social media. What do you yeah, got? Yeah, yeah. So I'm actually working on my first book and trying to get. Uh, so you're also working on your PhD. Yeah, right I'm, now? I'm busy. Yeah. Jeez, so, man. You, so you better be an athlete and yeah, ADHD. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. So my uh, my email is r archuleta r as in Rob a r c h u l e t a at crossroads tp as in turning points dot org. Um, I am on social media, Facebook under Rob Archuleta, and I am on Instagram under Active Recovery One. Okay. Well, Rob, we're going to do a longer show. These are these are short little teaser shows. I like this concept. You, you I hammering questions at you. Yeah. Came right back where they've each one. Let's uh, let's do another. Let's get parents to really understand harm reduction. Okay. In a in a healthy way, because yeah. again, there's there is a fine line between harm reduction and enabling. Yeah. yeah. And I think you yeah. you brought a lot of clarity. Yeah. The last thing I would just say is there's a big difference again between enabling and acceptance. Acceptance is, you know, it's love without judgment, enabling's helping them with that negative behavior. Rob, stand by so I can sign this off. Cool.
This has been another episode of Beyond Risk and Back. Thank you so much for joining me, parents. Please remember to give us a listen, a like, a subscribe, and share us with your friends, other parents who need the support. I have a few people I'd like to thank. First is Frazier PR. I'd also like to thank Your Cause Consulting. And I need to give a shout out to Deepin Productions. As always, thank you to Mental Health News Radio for hosting this show. And I'd like to thank Guayaki. Guayaki has sponsored our booth here at the Winter Symposium. And of course, all my fans everywhere, all over the world, thank you so much for making Beyond Risk and Back a number one parenting podcast. Remember, parents, take care of yourself first, your adult relationships second, and your children third, because in that way, we do our best work with our children. I'll see you next week.